Welcome, friends, and thank you for listening. I'm Scott Sullivan, Discipleship Catalyst with the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, and our team exists to strengthen Georgia Baptist churches in the area of discipleship. We've developed three tools just for you. The Watershed Principle, which identifies the six main ministries of the church that must be healthy to produce world-impacting disciple-makers. The Spark Conference. Last year's conference saw over 33,000 views from 45 different states and 18 countries. This year's conference will premiere on August the 12th with best-selling author Tony Evans, Ben Mandrell, president of Lifeway, and David Kinneman, the president of the Barna Group. We also have learning communities that are set up throughout Georgia, which exist to help you finish the task of leading your family in ministry well. You can see our website to find one near you. Also, every Thursday at 3 p.m., you can catch this broadcast through Facebook, Instagram, or multiple podcast platforms. Now, let's join today's broadcast. Welcome, friends. What a great day, and I am so excited and have been looking forward to this discussion on busyness with Matthew and Kathy Gibbs and their daughter, Mary Beth. It's a family affair today. We've got the whole family on with us, and we're talking about busyness in ministry, business in life, how we can tackle that and, uh, and some of the devastating effects of that, but also the positive parts as well. So Matthew is our East Central Discipleship Consultant here at the Georgia Baptist Mission Board and just crushing it in the East Central region. Now, listen, let me just re- give you a reminder that we are able to do this because of the cooperative program. So thank you for giving generously to CP. And our team has a pile of resources that we want to give away. So make sure and leave a comment below and let us know where you're watching from and get entered into that drawing at the end of the broadcast. Matthew, welcome, buddy. Let's give our listeners a little background on your family now. So you're East uh, Central Consultant. Tell us what you do there at Second Baptist in Warner Robins. Well, Scott, thanks again for doing this. And I appreciate my ladies being here as well. Uh, I am the full-time Minister of Evangelism and Education here at Second Baptist Church, and then I'm the part-time East Central Consultant uh, for the East Central region of the state. There's about 575 churches there that we're trying to help in the area of discipleship, education ministry, that kind of stuff. Uh, One of the things I like about doing this is I'm a practitioner. I'm actually in the trenches doing this every day. Uh, We are working uh, very hard uh, to uh, get people in our disciple-making pathway here at Second, and uh, and really uh, feel like we're making making headway with that. And and so when I go out and talk to pastors and other leaders in the state, it gives me an opportunity uh, to talk very practically because I'm doing what I'm asking them and encouraging them to do in their churches. Fantastic. And your wife, Kathy, is the principal at David Purdue Primary School. She's a wife. She's a mom. She's the main head knocker in the Gibbs household. Kathy, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. I'm so glad that I could be here today. Yes. And I love that um, in the viewing. So we have Matthew at work. We have Kathy in her office at the school. And there's no telling if somebody may walk in and ask something right in the middle of it and would be a perfect example of what we're talking about today. So Kathy, thank you for jumping on with us as well. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. Mary Beth, this is Matthew's daughter and fantastic. She is the college student at Kennesaw State 
University, and she's majoring in the Mary Beth. In just a second, you'll have to tell us what you're majoring in there. I missed that. Um, so, but I did hear that you're producing a movie that you move goalposts, that you teach your dad how to use gifts, and you're forklift certified. Is that right? That's pretty nail on the head. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I am a um, communications major. Um, with a concentration in sports communication, I work in marketing at the university and events. So I do a lot with um, any of the athletic stuff, internal, external. So we work with KSU Athletics as well as um, Atlanta United, uh, Premier Lacrosse League. Um, so a lot of cool stuff going on around here. Um, love what I do. I love it. So you are super busy. Your mom is high capacity as well. Your dad is doing all sorts of things. So Matthew, this is why we were talking about trying to get your family on here, because this topic today, one of the comments that we've gotten, you know, what our team does is going into churches, visiting with leaders. And we hear a lot that, man, I'm just too busy to make disciples. We keep talking about disciples and yeah, I know we need to do it, but when am I supposed to find time to do all of that? And it affects every leader. And really this topic is a cousin to a time management broadcast that we had last month with Dr. Brent Crow from Student Leadership University. And I believe, Matthew, that conquering this single issue can increase work effectiveness 25 to 50% in the life of most leaders. So this is huge. And for those of us who don't figure this out, it can be the reason that we don't survive in the current position that we're in. So Matthew, here's my question for you, buddy. You wrote a critical note in your blog, which we'll drop into the chats. According to one study, only about 10% actually feel like they control how they spend their day. Man, when I read that, I thought, man, I was just stunned when I read that, just thinking about 10% of leaders feel like they have control of their, their day. So here's my question. So why did you decide to make time for disciple making in your busy schedule? You work a 50, 60 hour work week at Second Baptist Warner Robins. You work, you know, at least 10 hours a week with us. And what would you say to someone who uh, probably knows they should be a disciple maker, but just thinks they're too busy to actually make time for it? Well, it's a great question, Scott. And uh, there's a lot of ways to answer that question. A couple of things come to mind that I would say, first of all, and I've shared this with you and with our team just, just a few months ago, I was in a room with a couple of pastors talking about disciple making and sharing the importance of being a personal disciple maker as a pastor. And one of the guys said, hey, I know I should do this, but I just, I don't know how I'm going to find time to do that. And of course, my immediate re response was, how can you not find time to do the very thing that we're called and mandated to do as followers of Christ? But the statistic is true. Uh, if you are, uh, you know, if you have a busy life, you know, maybe as a parent, as a, a leader in an organization or something like that, there's just all these things grabbing for your time, all these things you know, bidding uh, for a, a chunk of your time. And so you have to make the commitment that you're going to be the master of that schedule or otherwise it will master you. And that's kind of the time management segment we talked about with, with Brent and uh, that kind of stuff. But also you've got to decide what's valuable because you can't do everything that everybody wants you to do anyway. Um, right. And, uh, you know, we have, we have two other children, two teenage boys that are 17 and 18, and, and they, you know, they're busy themselves, but they take up time with us parenting and that kind of stuff. So just between home and for Mary's school and just life in general, there's a lot of things that just seem to, to take our time. And, uh, and it's important uh, 
for you to decide what's important, what's valuable, and to, to make time for those things. And so I just decided that discipleship and disciple making was valuable. It had an incredible impact in my life when somebody discipled me. And I have not only seen the impact of that in my own life, but I've seen the results of that in other people's lives that I've been privileged to be a part of the disciple making process with. That's great. So what you're saying, Matthew, I hear you talking about, you, you talk, use the word choice uh, several times in there. So being a disciple maker is not something that happens by accident. Is that what I'm hearing you say? It's an intentional choice to make the time to do it. And one of the things I said in the blog, if you're, if you're going to do that, you may actually just have to decide what am I going to give up in order to do this. And there are always places you can do that. Well, that's good. And I love what Pete Scazzaro said in his book, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. He said, what's needed more in the life of most disciples is not more doing for Jesus, but more being with Jesus. Mm. And if, if my experience of growing up in a normative size, smaller church is typical of the leaders that are watching, listening today, we will have leaders listening who've never been intentionally discipled. So Matthew, let me, let me ask you to do something real quick. Help us with a couple of statements here for those leaders to know where to start. So like, you know, I'm hearing people say, like, you don't have to convince me that I need to be a disciple maker. I just don't know where to start because I've never been through that. And when you throw on this, this heavy blanket of busyness in their life, it's just easy to give up and not deal it or keep pushing it down the road. Yeah, a lot of pastors, they've got all these things they are doing each week and need to do and are, are important things to do. And it just sucks the time and maybe even the energy to do this other thing that I know I need to do that keeps lurking in the background. And I think you just have to make the commitment. You have to make the intentional choice. I'm going to, I'm going to make this happen. And, you know, we're around the state talking to pastors and, and trying to encourage them. And one of the first things that I know we all as consultants in this area uh, challenge them to do is you need to do first. If you're, want to, if you're wanting and desiring to lead your church to be a disciple-making church, you need to start by being a disciple-maker. And it's really simple. Uh, what I tell pastors to do is just the same thing I did and, and, and do on a regular basis if I start a discipleship group. Just begin to pray and ask God to lay two, three, four guys on your heart if you're a, if you're a guy. And of course, if you're a lady and you're watching this, two, three, four ladies on your heart that God lays on your heart. And then just ask them, would you be willing to meet with me, you know, once a week for an hour, hour and a half, where we're going to encourage one another. We're going to pray together. We're going to talk about what God's teaching us in the scripture. We're going to memorize scripture together. And it's amazing when you begin to pray, the people that you, that God lays on your heart that you ask, God's already been working in their heart and, and it, it just comes together. Uh, and then you decide on a time to meet. Uh, just honestly, the guys that I meet with, they wanted to meet at four o'clock on Sunday afternoon. I did not want to meet at four o'clock on Sunday afternoon, <laughs> but I was committed to this. I could have thought of much better times to meet, but that seems to work for our group. So we, we guard that time. It's, it's sacred. Our families know that that's where we're going to be from four to five thirty. And as my wife says, sometimes till six thirty. Uh, just depending on how the discussion goes, we just lose track of time because what God's doing in that group. And we just do it. And our whole staff here at Second does that. We all have D groups that we meet with uh, weekly. That's great. And, and Matthew, the watershed principle that I wrote 
uh, about a year ago and, and launched throughout the state that you guys have been teaching to our leaders, the lead stream of that uh, makes the comment of what you're talking about here, that if we want our churches to be disciple-making churches, then the, the pastor, or if you're blessed to have a staff, have to model that. We've got to be doing that and making those disciples meeting in those groups. So good, buddy. Thanks for sharing. Now, well, Kathy, let me, let me... I know you're going to jump in and speak to Kathy, but the old saying is you can't lead somebody where you've not been. That's so true. Our guys need to lead in that direction. It's so true. And the first half of my ministry of the 30 years I was in the local church was evidence of that. So good. Now, Kathy, I know that you and Matthew have similar stories of how someone discipled you and when you were younger and how that played such a pivotal role in your walk with the Lord. So tell us, just give us a briefly tell us about the experience and how that's impacted your personal commitment to be a disciple and how that's enriched your marriage and your family. Absolutely. Well, I was not raised in a Christian home. And so I got saved at 21. And shortly after that, Matthew and I met at Tabernacle in Cartersville, Georgia, Tabernacle Baptist Church. And we actually had like a D weekend where the college and career group went and we studied, we did a book study called The Pursuit of Holiness. And from there, the lady who led the book study or facilitated the work with us that um, weekend was so vibrant and on fire for the Lord. There was something she had that I knew was missing in my own life. And so at the end, she kind of gave us a questionnaire to fill out like where we were in our process of spending time with the Lord, um, where we were with praying and memorizing scripture. And I'll be honest, Scott, I had not ever done any of those things because of the way I was raised, um, in our home, and I didn't even own my own Bible until right before that weekend, I went and bought one. And so there was something she had that I desired, and she mm. wanted to pour into a group of girls too. And so from the way we filled out our, our survey at the end of the weekend, she approached three of us, and we met every Monday night. And all of us were young career professional young ladies. And we met in one of the girls' homes. And every Monday from 6 to 7.30, um, this young lady poured into us. Her name was Kelly Cagle. And she was someone who taught me how to pray and how to have a relationship with the Lord. She taught me how to memorize scripture. But most importantly, she instilled in me the desire to read God's word. And we talked about what we were learning each and every week and what God was teaching us. And so we began the four of us to do life together. So even though we met on Mondays, we hung out together throughout the week. And so that time in my life was valuable because even though I was going to church on a regular basis and going to a life group or Sunday school at that time, I needed somebody to teach me how to spend time in the word and with the Lord and how to make that a priority in my life. And so because of that impact and how I grew um, in my relationship with the Lord, I then wanted to turn around and multiply and teach others. Mm -hmm. And so I began investing in a group of teenage girls. And even today, um, that's what I do. So I teach life group on Sunday mornings, but I meet with a group of girls on Sunday evenings. Our time is 7 to 8 or 8.30, and we meet together, we pray together, and we study God's word. So I want to be able to pour into somebody else the way Kelly poured into me when I was a young believer. That is really good. And so much of what your story really reflects even my own experience. You know, I, I wasn't discipled. I mean, I grew up in the, but I grew up in that Beaver Cleaver 
family. My dad was chairman of deacons. My parents were the, the, the youth committee in every church I ever served in. And I was, you know, just kind of got it as by osmosis because I was always in, in church, but it really wasn't until college that somebody started pouring into me and that knee to knee, knee and nose to nose discipleship started happening. My life just exploded mm-hmm. in that process. It was just, um, it was, it really was amazing. It's kind of one of those things. You ever heard that phrase? You don't know what you don't know. Yep. Well, <laughs> I, I didn't know. I didn't know there was this whole other world out there of walking with the Lord and, and what that time spent. I, like Kathy, I tell you, one of the things that really um, uh, that the Lord taught me in that process was I was spending time. Like when I did do my quiet time, my time with the Lord, it was really like, I was trying to find a ticket to success. I was find, trying to find a ticket uh, to find a treasure. And then during that process of being discipled, I learned that my time spent with Jesus, that was my treasure. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a ticket to find a treasure. Mm-hmm. It, meant it was just like my, my life changed. And I didn't, I didn't become a Christian. I was already a believer. I just wasn't growing in the way right. I could. So gosh, that's so good, Kathy. Thank you for sharing that. Well- and um, Mary Beth, let me bounce to you for just a moment, um, because you're part of a discipleship group right now, I believe, at college where you are. How has that been, um, being part of a group, how has that impacted your walk with Christ? And you're, a, you know, you're in the middle of the biggest decision-making time of your life, this period of four to six years here with college and work and potential family, you know, in the next few years. How has that really impacted your walk with the Lord? Um, yeah, so, you know, in high school, very similar story to yours of, I grew up with a dad that's a pastor and, um, a mom that instantly jumped in as soon as they got, um, married of, we're going to do ministry together. Um, so I grew up just by nature of gaining that discipleship from them, from everywhere that I was plugged in, being a staff kid, always being around different staff. Um, but it wasn't until I came to college that I really learned how to develop my faith as its own. And um, when I first came, it was, it was hard, like plugging into a church um, and into a discipleship group um, where it wasn't handed to me and in a new culture and the culture shock of moving away from home and in college, that was hard. Um, And my sophomore year, I remember walking in um, on a Sunday afternoon to a lunch with um, college leaders. And we had just gotten a brand new college pastor um, and his not, his name is Sellers. Um, and he's still our college pastor now. And I walked in and I sat at a table with him, um, and just kind of got to know him. And the next day I went to a Braves game and I sat down and he was like, I want you to meet my wife. He said, you guys will click instantly. She moved three days later Hannah and I got lunch and it was this instant connection of this is the person that like, is going to pour into me. Um, and mm-hmm. my mom can tell you this. She's like, anytime something happens in my life, she's like, you need to call Hannah. Like you need wow. to have lunch with Hannah. Hannah and I have a saying, it's, uh, I need to come drink coffee and eat Cheetos on your couch. Um, <laughs> and so, and that's literally what I do. I'll go sit on her couch and I'll drink a cup of coffee and eat Cheetos. And I'm like, this is what's going on. I don't really know how to handle this situation. Um, but through them moving here, I became a small group leader, but, um, and was the leader of a discipleship group for college girls. Um, and so as a sophomore and college I was leading girls that were in their senior year and that those of them that were in their freshman year and that was challenging um but I don't think I've grown more than being in that position and since then being in the same position of 
leading girls in the same um, discipleship area that I am and sitting on Hannah's couch every Monday night before those girls got there and saying, this is what's going on in my life and I don't know how to handle it. And her being able to pour into me before I instantly is pouring out into other girls of that were dealing with the same thing or different things and being able to walk through that with them um, and being able to build that connection. And that's mm. still to this day, I've been able to see the growth of that of, hey, this girl walked into my small group um, and might've spoken three words the whole first six months she was in it. Well, now two years later, she's leading camp. She's about to become a teacher. She's led other small groups that have multiplied and we've had to split out from there. Um, and another girl that joined hers is now doing the same thing. And so you see the growth of it based on like this one person that spent the time discipling me, then I was able to pour into a group of girls and those group of girls then became leaders and are now doing the same thing. And it's the, you know, the circle of, you know, you're planting the seed, your tree grows and your tree, um, drops leaves that then disintegrate to build the same, to start the process over again. Um, Mm. hmm. That's great. I love to hear that. And it, it really reminds me of something a mentor told me years ago when he said, Scott, God wants us to do two things really well. He wants us to abide in Christ. He's our power source. That's where we're going to get the strength and the encouragement to do all that he's asking us to do. And he wants us to abound like Christ. So abide in Christ and abound like Christ. But he said, but don't ever miss this nugget. He said, Scott, you're never going to abound well until you abide. Mm-hmm. The spending time with the Lord, being with people um, of, of sharpening one another in Christ, those relational aspects. And gosh, I just heard everything that you were saying there sounded just like what he was teaching me as we went through that process of, of discipleship as well. Well, yeah. I've, I've learned those things, Mary Beth. And, and let me just ask a follow-up question here as well, because you're you bring a much cooler um, perspective to this, right? Your parents are just old. Let's just face it. I mean, they're, you, you've got the cool perspective for this. So I don't know how say- old they are. I'm also getting gray hairs and I'm 22. So um, there you I don't go. know how much older they really are from me at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're catching them. Maybe so. So let me ask you this, because I hope that, number one, I hope that, that I believe you said Hannah, I hope that she will will we'll view this and I hope this will be an encouragement to her and you guys will share it. But I, I'm hoping that some of your folks, some of your tribe will will listen to this as well. And, and for those who may be your age, or for those of us who may have children your age, or for those of us who are in ministries with, you know, that older teenage through college and into their 20s age, what would you say to some of that group who's listening to this and maybe they've never been discipled, but they know they need that. What would you say to them on on what steps they could take? Um, The first thing is get plugged into a ministry. Um, Mm. My freshman year of college was extremely hard um, with the adjustment of, you know, moving away, growing up in church and always having being voluntold for everything that I did (laughs) instantly being plugged in, never knowing how to church search. Um, but get plugged into a church and get plugged into a ministry. Uh, That has been the biggest thing for me. Our college ministry up in Kennesaw at North Star Church is wave. um, And that's honestly been the best thing. It's instantly, as soon as you plug in, you're going to have people come running to meet you and say, Hey, we want you to like be a part of our group. We want you to join a community group. And 
that's the biggest thing is join a community group. Like don't just go on a Tuesday or a Wednesday night to whatever service they have for college students or college and career. Find that community um, because that's where you're going to grow the most. Um, we live by the mission of John 2021, um, which is as the father has sent me, I'm sending you. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and we say it every Tuesday night, like that is, that is our mission as we leave every Tuesday night is as I sit here before you and the father has sent me to do things before you go and be, be the same, love God, love people and live sent. Um, and that's like, our motto is to live sent. How do you leverage every day for Christ? Um, and so get plugged into a ministry, get plugged into a community group. And um, the more that you surround yourself by the people with people that are like-minded and believe the same as you, the more they're going to grow you. Um, and the more you're going to grow in your relationship with Christ and the deeper you're going to go, don't be afraid in a community group that if it's, if it's not deep enough, push it deeper. Um, mm. And that's been the biggest thing for me is like, I've been involved with people that just aren't on the same level yet, but even like asking guided questions to be like, Hey, have you like, what do you think about this? Um, and getting them to, to think even deeper and like, yeah me coming into college already having a pretty solid foundation and, you know, having the ball, the Bible quiz knowledge. Um, then I found that my Bible quiz knowledge can be pushed deeper. Um, and yeah. I didn't, I didn't know everything. Like I came to college on a pretty high horse of like, Oh, I know how to do this. This is the same. Da, 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 da. No. Um, I have been ripped apart and like brought to my knees in tears of, I don't know what I'm talking about. And I need to be challenged every single day and I'm not done growing. And that's because I've, gotten plugged into a ministry and surrounded myself by community that continues to push me and challenge me and hold me accountable and who I am and who I claim to be. Yeah, that's gold, Mary Beth. Um, so good. I love to hear you sharing those things. And, you know, there are some people, um, I remember a moment in my own life when, you know, I had some people that I was growing with, but I also knew, knew that I needed a mentor. So I was in a group where I didn't really have a mentor, but I had people that people were sharpening one another. So let me just give a note here for those of you, maybe pastors, leaders that are in your churches and you, you know that you need a mentor. You know that there's a whole nother world of, of where you want to be and you'd love to have somebody speaking into your life, but you don't have anybody to do that. Let me give you the nugget here of something that helped me. You can create a board of directors for your life and those people don't even know it, right? So I went through a phase of my life where I didn't have that. So what I started doing was some really high capacity leaders. I would call them once or twice a year. I'd schedule a meeting, a lunch, and I would ask targeted questions that I needed for my life. And listen, I'd give them a hundred bucks. They didn't know what I was doing. I was just asking them to invest in my life. So maybe that'll help some of you that are listening today. And, and I want to ask one more question here, Matthew, and bring you back here, because you had in your blog post, you mentioned that one of your new favorite words is margin. And for all that we're talking about, whether you're trying to get a mentor or create a disciple making group, or just lead well with your family, margin is crucial. So tell us what you mean by that, and how this relates to your commitment to create margin in your own life for making disciples. Let me, and I, I think I share this in that post, but let me, let me share a story that maybe helps illustrate that. Back at the beginning of the year, uh, Kathy uh, challenged me. She said, hey, I want us to join a gym, start working out together. And of course, there are two questions that come to mind. How much is this going to cost? And how are we going to make this fit into our already busy lives? And, and, and we have done that. In fact, we were in the gym this morning at 5 a.m. 
uh, and we do that four times a week. We work out together, hmm. you know, do things to, to feel better, to be healthy in our diet and stuff. And one of the things after committing to do that, that we have learned is the value that that provides for us individually, as well as spending time together as a couple and all those things. And so even though we already had a very busy life, because we value the results of that, we are willing to create margin or make time in our lives for that very thing. And, and that's the case, whether it be discipleship, family time, you will make time for what's important, what you value. And so that kind of begs the question, what do you value? We talk about how important discipleship is, but if you're not making time for it, if you're not pulling the plug and, and being intentional, the question is, do, is it really as valuable as you say it is? And for some, time, for some of us, it's just defining what is discipleship and how do I do that uh, effectively. But what I have learned is that I don't, nobody ever has to teach me how to waste time. And, 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 and if I don't, if I don't plan my time, somebody else or something else will plan it for me. So there's an intentional plan, an intentional movement to create margin for what I value and what I think is important. And one of those things, of course, is working out, spending time with my family. Yeah. But I have seen the results in my own life and in the lives of others of discipleship and disciple making, I completely understand that that's our mandate. Now there's always things I can learn, but there's not a question. That's what we're called to do. We're not called to make converts, which is what we do pretty well in the church. We're called to make disciples. And, and what, you know, when Mary Beth was sharing, I kept the word kept, it kept coming to my mind was multiply, multiply. She, she's mm -hmm. got, Kathy got it at it when she was in her twenties. I'm, I want to reproduce myself. I want to I want to multiply what's yeah. been done to me, I want to invest. And so I have committed and, and they're both committed. We're committed to doing that and creating the margin in our lives to make that happen. That's good. And there it is again, that choice has to be made to be a disciple maker, to choose to multiply. And it all starts with that choice. And Matthew, managing this margin you're talking about is crucial because it leads down a dark path. If we don't manage the margin, if we don't choose to be a disciple maker, if we don't do well with this issue of busyness, because you see, one of the most difficult moments for many leaders is the moment that they realize that their ability got them there, but their integrity can't keep them there. Mm. And this is an issue that busyness is the conduit that will bring about that regretful moment. We can continue to pound things into our schedule and we look good to people because we're rushing through the hallways and we're, we're always doing things. And they say, man, that guy, that lady is so busy. And we wake up one day and we don't have the integrity that our kids can be proud of or that our spouses look at us and they, and they wonder, how did we get to this point? This is not the person that I married. And I just hope that something that we have shared today um, is helpful for you, this disciple-making tribe. Matthew, Kathy, Mary Beth, you guys are rock stars. Thank you for sharing with us. And for those of you that are listening today, we hope that if there was something in here that helped you that was beneficial, we hope that you will share it to help us extend gospel impact. And Mike, Tiny, Taylor, thank you for producing for us today. <laughs>
And uh, big thanks as well, just for all of you of our tribe. Thank you for engaging. And I pray you'll keep multiplying disciples, multiplying groups, multiplying churches as we go and make world impacting disciple makers. Thanks for listening to Georgia Baptist Discipleship Podcast. And we want to give you a gift. The five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world impacting disciple makers. You can get this by going to ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleship shifts.com. That's ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleship shifts.com. This five page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist that may surprise you. It will help you learn why programs are killing your discipleship. The number one default worker strategy that keeps churches from empowering their ministries Learn the OGV factor and how it can revolutionize discipleship, attendance, and evangelism in your church. Again, go to ministryboom.com forward slash the number five, discipleshipshifts.com. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptist to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org forward slash discipleship. And by the way, if you found this content helpful, we sure hope you'll share it with a friend. And thanks so much for partnering with us to make world impacting disciple makers.